Welcome, everybody. This is the Tag Your It podcast. I'm Ray Ray. And I'm David Van Pepper. I'm Pastor Rick Patrick. Yes, and we got Rick Patrick on the show. Um, if you've seen some articles surrounding Tom Askell, stuff like that going around, this is the man uh, behind uh, those articles, and we're going to get to him. Um, but just quickly, just on the past couple of weeks uh, on the shows, we have announced this. Um, I'm putting together an Ascension Day rally, and let me get the. Uh, photo up anyway for your eyes to see on the video anyway but yeah we have the ascension day crown rights rally ascension foretold fulfilled forever thursday may 26th at 6 p.m at the historic city hall on boonville avenue again we will um, probably more than likely gather in the uh, grassy knoll um, on the chestnut expressway side but it's a time to gather pray sing and proclaim jesus's lordship over our city i'm still dealing with the liturgy and uh, just got one more piece i've got to do and then i'll be announcing all the official uh, things of who's going to be there, who's going to be speaking, songs, all that kind of stuff that we'll be singing to make sure that we all come prepared. But please put this on your calendar Thursday, May 26, 6 p.m. at Historic City Hall, the Ascension Day Crown Rights Rally Ascension Foretold, Fulfilled Forever. And so with that said, um, thank you guys for uh, letting me uh, advertise that Uh a third time anyway for the tag year podcast but uh yes let's uh get to rick and uh you know dave is the one that made the awesome connection here um again we're going we're going into uh convention season uh we've had ed Litton said i'm stepping down i'm not going to run again so now we've got all these people coming out of the woodworks to go hey um let's nominate people to be president when we've already talked about body bacham in our sort of um misunderstanding so he's going to be the president of the the pastors conference but um tom askell of founders ministries has been nominated to be the president of the sbc and every time every every time that there's a new president there's a lot of backlash a lot of talking a lot of backbiting as unfortunately a southern baptist are known for doing that to each other and so this is what we really want to talk about today um is uh let's come together let's have unity um there's different divides here and there um but we wanted to come on this podcast today to uh bring unity uh to the conversation and uh why this is an awesome thing that say tom askell um is being nominated for the presidency of the sbc for at least one year so dave uh you take this away yeah, well, Dr. Patrick, I want to thank you again so much for coming on the program. Uh, before we recorded, I uh, did just tell Dr. Patrick how much I appreciate him and how grateful I am. I Unfortunately, probably uh, six years ago, I didn't really care too much for him, but uh, I am really thankful for him and I, I have prayed for him and he was so grateful to uh agree to come on. So Dr. Patrick, if you don't mind, instead of me telling people about you, would you just share a little bit about yourself and your involvement in the Southern Baptist Convention as we get going? Sure, David. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on Tag Your It today. Um, I'm the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Sylacauga, Alabama, 
and have been here for almost nine years. Uh, before that, served one other church in Alabama for 13 years, and then three churches in Texas before that. So I've been a Southern Baptist pastor for uh, over 30 years, and uh, probably during that time have been to about 20 Southern Baptist Convention annual meetings. And so I've had some experience with, uh, with convention life and involvement, primarily as a pastor. A few years ago, uh, some friends of uh, mine and I, um, we formed an organization to uh, try to, as we saw it, bring some balance to the discussion over soteriology in our convention. It seemed like uh, uh, all of the energy and emphasis, there were several different groups that existed to network with people who uh, would, I'd say, identify with the uh, Charleston tradition of, uh, of more reformed thought in Southern Baptist life. There was not really an organization united to, to speak uh, and, and to network and to uh, share books and ideas with like-minded people who, whose preference was the Sandy Creek tradition. And so we formed an organization to do that. And I was involved in that for about five years. Uh, and also was involved in uh, writing some blog uh, articles and, and uh, editing uh, a, uh, a blog for a time. And, uh, and then over the last four years, I've really taken a step back from that and focused more on local church ministries. Um, but, uh, but I still pay attention to the things going on in the convention and uh, have a, a keen interest, primarily as a Southern Baptist pastor. Mm -hmm. What? Tell us just a little bit, you know, we are coming up on the annual meeting here very soon in Anaheim, a long ways away. Uh, I, I know Adam will be there um, for sure, and uh, I assume you're going to be there. Uh, but tell us a little bit about some of the unique concerns that you see. Having been in the Southern Baptist Convention for 30 years uh, as a pastor and probably a little bit of time before that, tell us uh, what you think uniquely is going on and what are some real concerns that not only you have, but that individuals like me should share regarding the state of the convention? Oh, certainly. Uh, one place I would point you to, to, to look at and find out more about these matters would be the Conservative Baptist Network. Um, I think that they've done a good job of describing, they have a wonderful video that describes a, a drift. It's just, frankly, it's a leftward drift. And uh, interestingly, a lot of the folks uh, that are involved in leadership don't they say, no, we haven't drifted to the left. We're just as conservative as we always have been. Uh, but the, against that notion, I think there's a great deal of, uh, of evidence. Uh, some of that has to do with transparency. Just simply, uh, do we know today of the 12 entity presidents what, what their salaries are? Do we even just know that? Uh, most organizations uh, of that size will tell their, uh, their uh, shareholders what their principal uh, will earn. And, and right now in the convention, there's not a great deal of transparency. People go to the microphone and ask that question at the convention and it gets uh, given a, a, an answer that where it's just kind of uh, not really addressed. We also have a question or a problem, I would say, in how we're going to relate to the culture wars. And for years, uh, Russell Moore led the ERLC to say, uh, you know, the culture wars are over. It's finished. It's done. And uh, I, I would simply say, no, they are not done. Uh, Jesus said, blessed are you when men uh, persecute you and say all kinds of evil about you because of me, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so I believe that, that we will, if we are truly standing up for what is right, 
and proclaiming boldly what the word of God says, thus saith the Lord. I think that that the world, they're going to look at us and they're not going to like us. We're not going to be winsome to them. Beware Mm -hmm. when all men speak well of you. And if we were trying to get all men to speak well of us, that's just not uh, going to happen. I, uh, I hearken back to a time, frankly, when uh, Russell Moore's predecessor, Dr. Land, led the ERLC. He would, uh, he would preach and speak and declare our position boldly and with authority. And uh, the media didn't like us at all. Uh, and to me, I always felt, well, that, that is the way it is supposed to be, because if we are boldly taking a stand for truth, um, not that we're trying to be controversial, but just that I, it, it is. Our message is a countercultural message. And if we're going to be winsome to this culture, I, I think we're going to miss some things. So I would say wokeness, the way that we relate to race, the way that we relate to complementarianism today, which some our complementarianism has become so soft, it is almost indistinguishable from egalitarianism. Uh, the way we relate to patriotism, um, and I know some people will have different ideas about this, but um, but I don't think the, the the real fear in our world today is uh, is some kind of nationalism taking over uh, our churches. I think it is okay for us to have, say, a God and country service and to honor our country. I don't think that's a, a negative kind of thing. But but we we look at. Uh, I would point to the documentary Enemies Within the Church as a place, or the book Fault Lines. Uh, by uh, Vody Bauckham. Um, CRT has to be a critical issue about this. Uh, and uh, it's not a helpful analytical tool. Mm. Uh, it is a dangerous worldly philosophy. And in fact, it's the blueprint for fomenting revolution to take two groups and to say one of them is privileged and the other one is, uh, is, is, is oppressed. And to put them against each other, whether you're dealing with race, whether you're dealing with gender, uh, whether you're dealing with uh, socioeconomic status, uh, that's that's really the a repudiation of Galatians three twenty eight, where we are not to be Jew or Greek or male or female or slave or free, but we are one in Christ. Uh, biblical unity uh, does not pit those two sides against each other uh, in that way, and in fact. Um, Everywhere that that this sort of philosophy of oppressed versus uh, uh, privileged has been tried and implemented, the result is a disaster. It, it, it doesn't bring peace. You're, you're trying to use to bring about, say, for example, racial reconciliation, a philosophy that is not designed to bring about peace, but it is designed to foment revolution. It's like pouring gasoline on a fire to try to put it out. That's just not going to work. And no one has uh, sort of identified that and understood that better uh, than than Tom Askell and Vody Bauckham. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, you know, that's, that's what I see, you know, so we're going to bring these in and like, as you said, critical race theory, um, critical theory. Uh, let's go even farther back to the 1800s, whenever you have, uh, you know, the German thought that came over here that led to eventually so you're talking about 1800s and it was the 1980s 1970s and 80s where we had the whole inerrancy issue that again that didn't cause itself and it wasn't just a product of a couple of decades Mm. um but there was german thought you had higher criticism um Mm. that started out in the 1800s i mean you can see the division that happened in the restoration movement between the campbellites and the millerites and then you have joseph smith you have charles taze russell you have the holiness movement 
coming out. You, then you have oneness Pentecostalism and then Trinitarian Pentecostalism. And then you have the uh, revival fights. And I mean, like it's, it's a, it's a lot bigger. Um, you know, that this yeah. is where you get in that Carl Truman book um, and he exposes um, even farther back these things, you know, these, these things don't create themselves, um, but you get it to critical race theory. Um, we want it, you know, the convention anyways talked about it we want it as analytical tools and stuff like that but it, it seems to be a, a way to end up demolishing yes. the the structure that's already there right so we want to get yeah. rid of the sbc if they don't meet the demands and it's the demands of the same uh guilt manipulative nature of the worldview that critical race theory um puts together and so you know the the thing with me is um I'm I'm a part of an Acts 29 Southern Baptist connected church. We're reformed, um, and uh, you see a lot of um, young bucks. You know, we don't really we don't own the denomination. We're kind of we that the SBC is kind of like thing that we still are a part of for certain reasons. Maybe it's an appendage or whatever. But when it comes down to you see all this fighting, it's just like. I just let it go away, and it just seems to be like a very apathetic denominationalism. Um, <laughs> me too, you know, um, but come to find out there's a lot of good. And so um, since you have mentioned your concerns, you know, in the SBC, um, what's it, I want you to share the importance of, you know, why the SBC as an organization is worth being involved in and why the SBC as an organization is worth being a part of and supporting. So, you know, with me, I get asked that question, like, Adam, like, you're you, you believe this, you want this, but why? Like it just doesn't seem to jive when people look at me and hear me. They're going like, "Why? Why is the Missouri Baptist Convention like so important to you? Why are you involved in this? Why is the like like?" Because I'm sitting here, because everybody's sitting there, kind of going like, "I've been involved in it, and it's an old boys' club and all this stuff, you know." But and I'm just sitting there going like, "Um, you know, I'm critical race theory tells you to destroy things, and I'm like Martin Luther had the right idea. He wanted to reform the church, not blow it up." They ended up they ended up separating. Martin Luther wasn't wanting to separate. So Martin Luther wasn't the cause of the separation. So same same thing here. And so I think it would be good to hear from you, especially um, spoiler alert. There is a, a, a soteriological divide um, in this chat right now. You know, it's two on one. Those are better odds. Those are better odds than I usually have on a on a specific uh, a website I could name, but I won't. <laughs> I get you. I, I get you. Uh, but you know, from you, um, from your end, you know, why why is the SBC worth this uh, fight? Oh yes. Well, you know, I was saved uh, in a Southern Baptist church. I love Southern Baptists. I've always. Uh, had had a love for our denomination. And and years ago, I was very comfortable in my local church, in my local association, in my state convention, and at the national level. But about 10 or 15 years ago, I started to get to the place where at the national level only, I started feeling a little bit out of place. Hmm. And uh, it might have been with the rise of uh, uh, Mark Driscoll's popularity and uh, some of the emerging church movement uh, issues and some of the ideas that were coming along then. And so at the national level, I started feeling um, a little disconnected more from, from Southern Baptist life. Still great at the local association, still great at the state convention. I'm comfortable in my own church. I love Southern Baptist. But at the national level, it felt a little different. It felt like it had been um, 
uh, it, it was just it was just different. And I would say all of the entities, I think, and their leadership became different. Um, but the thing that I uh, one of the things that I would like about it, I, I agree. I think we just need to we need to fix it. We don't. I, a lot of people are tempted to just run away, just leave the convention, just just let it be. And uh, and and I would say, well, no, uh, I don't think that that I should have to run away from something that has been important to me and means a lot to me. Um, in a, in the Southern Baptist seminaries, we educate one out of every nine seminary students in the in in the country, not just Southern Baptist students, but one out of nine seminary students, period. That is an extraordinary influence. Uh, the largest missionary sending body among evangelical churches is, is Southern Baptists. Uh, we, we, we have a, a lot to commend ourselves in terms of our, our giving and our supporting and our working together, and all of that is good. We just right now have uh, drifted to the left with a a, a philosophy and an openness to what I would just describe as wokeness or CRT. We need to right that ship. We need to straighten that out. And uh, once we do so, uh, then I can more comfortably support this again. And you've mentioned the soteriological divide, and I, I don't allow that in my local church to uh, be an issue either. Uh, a former uh, interim pastor at the church where I serve, be a well-known uh, Calvinistic leader. Uh, in fact, he's been an interim pastor twice, and we are friends. And I, in terms of uh, support, we've done things together. And I, ha I have no animus towards my friends who are, have a, a different soteriology than I do. Um, we can, I think it's healthy for us to have those debates and those conversations. The, the difficulty that came in, I would say, around the mid 2000s, the, the first uh, decade of the, of, the, of the 21st century. I would say we ended up with um, some things that, that, that came into um, the reformed movement, not only not from the generation of Tom Askell or Tom Buck, Bodie uh, Balkum, but really more, uh, it, it felt like uh, under new Calvinism, and maybe I should say the, uh, a certain group of, of, of new Calvinists, maybe, it, maybe it's a subsection within that even, but uh, but I would say, as you would read articles at TGC and other places and hear some influences there, uh, this is very well documented in uh, Enemies Within the Church. But you just had a, a sense that things were now different, that, that, that we were taking a turn to the left, and I, I did not feel comfortable with that. But I don't want it to be said that because I'm just because I'm a little discomfortable, uncomfortable right now with the way the convention is, that doesn't mean I don't believe in the convention. I know you stay in, yeah. fix the problems that are there and get it back to the place where uh, we are together again. And in the first conservative resurgence, uh, people who believe like I do, the, the Sandy Creek tradition and people who believe like you may, the, the, the uh, more the Charleston tradition, they worked together, they united together to defeat uh, what we called then basically liberalism. And uh, today, I think we call it wokeness, uh, but there's not a whole lot of difference in some ways in, in terms of their approach to a lot of issues. And I, I think today, in the same way, the first conservative resurgence was a battle against uh, uh, biblical or a battle, battle in favor of biblical inerrancy. This would be a battle in favor of biblical sufficiency, that the Bible is sufficient to guide us, and we don't need uh, analytical tools like CRT. 
Yeah, that- and that's well spoken. Just uh, you know, I, I, we we were talking before uh, we we started recording the show. Anyway, it's just like wasn't that body Bacham? All right, <laughs> so uh, just one of those things. Like he, when it comes to this issue, um, we're definitely we are one hundred percent lockstep here, yeah. and that I mean that really leads into the next thing here. Um, but I just wanted to make sure that we we do that. Um, we talk about that. Uh, we're united on this, even though we have a significant, you know. We're going to talk, you know, um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we came together, um, infant Baptists um, and credo Baptists, um, whatever, you know, what other kind of divides you can make. So he said, you know, J.I. Packer, um, he was an Anglican, right? If I remember, yeah, if I know mm-hmm. correctly, he was Anglican. You've got Greg Bonson, um, Presbyterian, you know, you got Sproul, uh, Moeller, uh, Adrian Rogers, all those guys. Uh, Norman Geisler came in on the uh, inerrancy issue back in the in the seventies and eighties. Um, MacArthur, yeah, MacArthur, and so like you get a guy, you get those guys in a the room, they're going to talk, and it's mm-hmm. going to get a little hot, right? But they came together on inerrancy. Yes. So you know why can't we come together on this? Um, and so we got to recognize here's divisive distinctions. Here is stuff that does divide us. So maybe we can't be in the same room sometimes on a Sunday morning, <laughs> you know, we can't do, but here's the big issue. And we got to look at how God's going to work in history at reconciling even us that are acting like children. So we do have to recognize we're acting like children and uh, you know, and, but you know, we're going to see God unite things um, in Christ, all things, you know, that's what the Bible promises. So we can believe in that. Um, but um, I just wanted to just make sure that we, we get that out there. There are tons of divides. You get Bonson in a room with uh, Adrian Rogers, say, if you put those two guys in together, they're going to slap the crap out of each other in a debate. You know, they're going to be divided on the soteriology issue and even baptism issue, but they signed a document together, um, happily so. Um, but then again, we need to have that another conservative resurgence coming out of that um, issue. And that's what we're talking about here. So we need to have the same unity um, within our little divisions about sufficiency. Dr. Dr. Patrick, one of the things that uh, spoke to me last year um, in Nashville was when the um, resolution on uh, renouncing critical race theory was not given a hearing at all. It reminded me a little bit about when the social justice statement came out. And again, there was a a lot of unity among different soteriological camps. Those things were quickly dismissed from the convention floor. Now, I do teach communication theory, and one of the sections that we talk about is critical theory. Uh, and critical race theory. We actually specifically dive into standpoint theory. That's one of our big theories that we spend time talking about. And we compare that with the teachings of scripture. My question to you is when you look at the way things have gone, not just in Nashville, but in 2019 and in 2020, when we didn't have a convention, that obviously has led you to kind of your position regarding Dr. Askell. So maybe you could walk back just a little bit for us, your interactions with Dr. Askell and, and founders and, and how that moved from, uh, I wouldn't say uh, animosity, but definitely you had di- division. I think generally, uh, for the most part, you know, there were times when it probably got a little bit more tense, but how did you go from here's a guy that I'm definitely on the other side of now, Hey, we're actually unified. 
and maybe kind of give us a little bit of maybe even from the convention standpoint where you've kind of seen some of this coming together that led you to come out and endorse Dr. Askell. Because when I read that, I was like, oh man, this is awesome. <laughs> well, and, and thank you. I appreciate the question. I've joked with some of my friends who uh, know of my convictions uh, regarding what I will call traditional theology or provisionist theology. That's Leighton Flowers term or extensivism, which is Ronnie Rogers. And so we've had a disagreement with our Calvinist brothers uh, about salvation doctrine since at least 2012. That's when the traditional statement came out. Uh, Eric Hankins, Adam Harwood, Steve Lemke, uh, I've mostly allowed the scholars uh, to uh, those three and uh, Malcolm Yarnell, David Allen, uh, Leighton Flowers. There are several people uh, that have been involved in uh, sort of identifying what I believe about salvation doctrine. And it's, it's distinguished, obviously, from uh, uh, Calvinism. And, and I would say that both of these streams have been in our convention since 1845. So question would be, why did we only have a Calvinism committee uh, in the early part of the 21st century? If we've, been, if we've been going back and forth on this as with gentlemen disagreements about theology for all of those years, what was different about all of a sudden now that caused, uh, caused us to have this kind of reaction? And uh, I want to suggest that, that what happened was um, the, the new Calvinism that was promoted largely through the influence of TGC, Tim Keller, and others contained within it a strain of some, some ideas of wokeness that sort of infiltrated that thought. And, and much of what I was reacting to during those years was, uh, was, was the, what I had described at one point as what's in the Trojan horse of Calvinism. It's not Calvinism per se. We can have a debate about that, but it's the stuff that comes along with it. And some of those things, we didn't really have a good word for it then, but now I, 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 I call it wokeness. There was, some, there was some wokeness that was bred into the philosophy, not written into the theology, but it just kind of came along for the ride in a lot of ideas that were sort of promoted uh, among new Calvinists that were disaffirmed by the older Calvinists, by a Tom Askell, by a Tom Buck, by others, by Vody Bauckham. And so um, I, I just think that uh, my, my personal experience with Dr. Askell, for example, uh, which you uh, wanted me to touch on was, uh, I did not know him well, but we were on different, had different views on salvation doctrine. Um, and uh, since that time, we have uh, we've communicated just a little bit because I've appreciated his stance against CRT, and I've appreciated his strong uh, uh, disaffirmation of wokeness. And he has been bold, and he has been clear. And uh, it was almost as though when uh, the traditionalists sort of got out of the picture around 2018, then. The, the, the older Calvinists and the younger Calvinists were left in the room together to talk to each other. And that's when they, they, they addressed this issue. And I would say, well, I agree with Tom Askell, Tom Buck, Vody Bauckham, that this, uh, this wokeness is truly uh, a problem in our convention and needs to be dealt with. I'd also say this about uh, uh, Tom Askell and myself, you might say, well, we, we seem to have a difference of salvation doctrine at least we both agree 
that there is salvation through Christ. There is redemption. There is, uh, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, and uh, uh, I think a moment ago, Adam mentioned that sort of the guilt manipulation that is part of the uh, uh, wokeness or CRT or that sort of uh, philosophy. There is a strong cancel culture uh, uh, sort of emphasis there. And, uh, and, and there is no salvation under, if you will, under the wokeness religion. If I, if I have privilege uh, for being for the color of my skin, I can't wash that off in the shower. There's literally no no way to get rid of that to expunge that. If I have uh, privilege or uh, in in some other way, there's nothing I can do. There is no there's no societal um, repentance and and plan of salvation. If if the sin is the sin of the whole society rather than the individual. Uh, then systemic sin of our society cannot go down to the river and be baptized. Systemic sin, the whole society has no plan of salvation. We are eternally locked into a place where we are stuck and we are sinners and there's no way out. And that is anti-gospel. So it may look like Tom Askell and I have a different plan of salvation in terms of the specific details of how we work that out, but we both have a plan of salvation. Uh, and, and, and under wokeness, it's, there is therefore now only condemnation for those who are under wokeness. There's no way out of that. And that is anti-gospel. So Tom Askell and Vody Balkum understand this uh, better than anybody, really. And they're going to do something about it. And I've told folks, it's like uh, if your house were on fire, <laughs> if your house were on fire uh, and the two guys show up at your doorstep to fight that fire and to put it out. I don't sit there and ask them, hey, what's your favorite college football team? We may disagree about that. What's your political party? We may disagree about that. What do you think about what's your dispensational view or what's your soteriological view? What's your view on? Hey, you know what? At that moment, I don't care about those things. What I care about, my house is on fire. And what's burning the Southern Baptist Convention to the ground today is wokeness and CRT. You look at McLean, you look at First Baptist Naples, what's splitting our churches today? It's not new Calvin, it's not the theology of Calvinism. It's what was inside all of that all that time that we, we sort of, I think, kind of confused with the new Calvinism, but it was the wokeness, it was the philosophy, it was the it was some of the ideas that TGC and Tim Keller infused into that. Uh, and and, and now Tom and Vody and uh, the other Tom and others are committed to, to, to addressing that issue. So I am on the side of the fireman who's going to put out the fire. And I'm voting for Tom Askell for president of the Southern Baptist Convention, despite the fact that we disagree about salvation doctrine, because he and Vody are going to go in there and we're going to take care of that problem with uh, wokeness and CRT. Yeah. And so, so yeah, I think uh, another good question that's not on the list anyway, is, you know, we're, we're saying that, you know, we're, we're putting up these guys, you know, Hey, these guys are the ones that are going to clean up things, you know? And so there's a lot of, that's a lot of campaign promise, right? It's a lot of marketing or whatever. What can, um, the president of the SBC do, um, to be able to do this? Like in reality, um, what should people be able to actually hold, 
uh, a president accountable to something. Cause I mean, this is a, this is a lofty thing. This is, this is pervasive. Um, we've seen it already. in the fact that, you know, it goes in pretty easy at the end of a convention um, with like two minutes of a vote, just let's throw it in there. And it's going to take how, what, what's it going to take to get it out? <laughs> you know, um, yeah. what can a president um, actually do um, so that we can actually hold them accountable to a certain, some sort of standard? That's an excellent question. And one of the things he can do is he can raise certain issues and and make issues of things. He can make an issue of the fact that in many of our trustee systems, for example, and I don't know that he will necessarily do this. This is more uh, part of a can- another campaign from a different uh, candidate. But but the trustee system, when we elect trustees, we don't we're voting in that room and we don't really know all of those names. We don't know those people. I, I don't even always know the ones from my own state. Um, I certainly don't know the whole slate. So we elect those trustees and we say, well, they're accountable to the convention. Well, they don't even know those people. So how accountable is that? You say, well, even if you get into that trustee board system, do do all the trustees hold the entity president accountable? Well, no, not really. What happens is they they manage those meetings in such a way that there is going to be uh, there's going to be support for what that uh, what they have within that is a trustee uh, officers, trustee board. And you don't get onto that trustee board unless you are solidly with that entity leader. So maybe you only those people know, for example, what someone's uh, salary package might happen to be. And that's how we got a situation at one of our entities where one person gave essentially gave a severance package of over a million dollars to a Southern Baptist Convention president, uh, entity president. Uh, And so, uh, you know, are you I think we're not in control of the entities any longer. I don't think the convention controls those entities as much as we may think we do because of that trustee system existing the way that it does. So you say, well, how do you straighten that out? And the way we did it years ago in the first conservative resurgence was that the president appoints that uh, next committee, the committee on uh, committees, I think then that commit elects the committee on nominations, believe it or not. And then those are the folks that actually nominate the trustees for each of those entities. So it is it is possible to use the office of the presidency to steer the ship in another direction, but you're right, it won't be immediate. So what can Tom Askell do? He can make appointments that are consistently anti-woke. Mm. They, they, mm. They, they are not even tolerant of wokeness and, and CRT. They want no wokeness at all in our convention. So that, for example, at one of our seminaries, when a professor who taught Hebrew for years, wrote the book on Hebrew, would uh, uh, raise his hand and say, you know, I have a problem. I, I support the Dallas statement. I, 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 I think there are some concerns here with wokeness and with CRT. And we have some professors here on campus that are that are in favor of that sort of thing. Uh, can we do anything about them? These woke guys, can, can we address that? Uh, well, they addressed it, but they didn't get rid of the woke professors. They got rid of the tenured Hebrew professor who wrote the book on Hebrew. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so you say, what can we do? We can raise awareness. We, uh, Tom would be in a position as the figurehead to shine the light on some of these issues and get some things done. I think there's there's a there's value in having that office. Give the man a microphone. He is smart and he is articulate, 
And I disagree with him about salvation doctrine, but right now the house is on fire. And so I, what I care about is he has skills to turn the convention in the direction that it needs to go. And that is uh, to move it uh, further to the right from where it has been really for years. So I think you've made an outstanding case in my mind. Of course, I like Dr. Askell. I've liked him for years. And behind me on my shelf is my uh, little booklet that he wrote on a response to the, to the traditionalist statement, right? Uh, I, Adam and I have had mm-hmm. disagreements with uh, Dr. Flowers, your friend. Um, oh, yes. We even, you know, when things uh, emerged with Paige Patterson, we did a program on that, you know, years back. Was that 2018, I think, uh, or 2019? Yeah. And so, you know, we had we had thoughts, we had concerns. Um, but we also, I truly value any cooperative Baptist church that supports the 2000 Baptist faith and message. Uh, I, my grandma is, was an IMB missionary. She's a retired IMB missionary. Again, my parents received funding and were part of the home mission board. Uh, I get a salary from the cooperative program, right? So those things are super important to me. Uh, and not just because they're, they're writing my check, uh, but because I actually believe in that cooperative effort. I think it's so important. If I'm sitting though, on the other side of the table and, and I'm deeply rooted in, and I, Note that me saying traditional position is not being pejorative. I just don't know that there's a better term in some people's minds. And uh, I don't mean that condescendingly. I know some people have kind of used it pejoratively. But let's say that I'm at Gravel Road Baptist Church uh, in, you know, small town uh, Missouri or or Kansas or, or Alabama. And I have heard Dr. Askell and those those bad Calvinists. What do you say to those individuals who might be concerned about someone like Dr. Askell being elected to the presidency? And I, I want to just interject just one more thing just to make this it. real. Okay. So as a Missouri Baptist apologist guy, so you, you go to the state convention and you go to a booth and you meet people, you talk to people, you talk about the apologetics network that you're part of and all that kind of stuff. And you mention just the name Founders Ministries, from you know to some just congregation member going around the expo hall, and the reaction from that person is you like Founders, and then he immediately turns on you, and starts biting at you. So this is this is the, this is real, and this is with the lay people. So this is a very important question. So I just want to inject, interject that there, there's a an experience. But I can say, you know, Founders Ministries does raise the blood pressure just by saying Founders Ministries. And and I can say real quick, I'll give you my personal. When I was elected to the trustee board at Southwest Baptist University, no joke, no one, you know, just like most many times the trustee elections, people are just, you know, uh, yeah, I, when my name got mentioned, it was Van Beber. He's a Calvinist. And literally the president of the Missouri Baptist Convention had to say, wait a second. No, Van Beverly's a good guy who believes the Bible. Uh, what do you say to those folks who would easily dismiss? And I don't, I'm not angry at any of those folks. Um, I, I think that it's really important to uh, have an understanding of your soteriology and to recognize that, hey, there are some distinctive differences, but I Obviously, don't think we're playing on different teams because reaching out to you and my great, you, you mentioned Malcolm Yarnell. 
I know Malcolm Yarnell was very impactful and one of the professors from Midwestern that was impactful in my life. And that was Dr. Uh, Umstadt, right? And I know Dr. Umstadt is not a Calvinist, right? So what do you say to those folks who would be concerned because they know of Dr. Askell's strong, um, strong convictions regarding this? Well, you know, there are not many people that would be uh, accused of, of disagreeing with Calvinism more than I do. So I can say with some uh, degree of, uh, uh, of, frankly, just humility and just awareness of, of the, the reality of the, our present situation, we have got to come together, uh, reformed and uh, provisionist, extensivist, traditionalist, whatever you want, whatever label you want to use for uh, the, uh, the, the Sandy Creek tradition in Southern Baptist life. Sandy Creek and Charleston, those two traditions need to come together like we did during the first conservative resurgence. And we need to unite forces uh, to defeat uh, the ideologies of uh, liberalism, of wokeness, of, of uh, frankly, of cultural Marxism. Uh, we need to, uh, to be able to come together and let our justice be biblical justice. Let our approach on race be a biblical approach to race. Let our approach to um, women in ministry be the biblical approach to women in ministry. Let our approach to uh, any, any number of issues, CRT uh, is just one of them, uh, but let us come together and realize that, uh, that the, the greater concern right now is not our gentlemen's disagreement over salvation doctrine. We've had that since 1845. That has been going on for a long time. So uh, there's just, there's something new that has caused uh, this, uh, this problem in recent years. And the, uh, the uh, issue would be wokeness, frankly. So I would say we just have to combine on that. I, I would remind them uh, of the, uh, the illustration of when your house is on fire. If your house is on fire, uh, you just want someone to come and put it out and you don't care about the disagreements that you might have with them on some other issue. Uh, and I just don't think that our, our yes, we, I think we can honestly admit we have a disagreement about salvation doctrine issues. But I don't let the fact that I have disagreements with other brothers on eschatology keep me from working together with them on this, or maybe we have a slightly different uh, pneumatology position or whatever else it might be. I'm not going to let that get in the way of addressing the thing that is burning our convention to the ground right now. Mm -hmm. And that is this uh, strong uh, leftward drift uh, due to wokeness and CRT. So we can unite together. And what I would say to that person is <laughs> uh, Tom and Vody get wokeness. They get CRT. They understand it and they can articulately fight against it. And if we will join forces with uh, some who are, say, we would say in the older reformed camp um, against new Calvinism. Uh, and again, it's not fighting the new Calvinism. He's not, Tom's not Calvinism fighting Calvinism. <laughs> He's fighting the wokeness that has crept up within it. He's trying to purify that. Mm -hmm. So I see that. And uh, I wish him well in that because 
honestly, then we could just go back to just having our gentleman's disagreement about soteriology like we've had since 1845. And we'll keep doing that till Jesus comes back and straightens us all out. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just think it's so important that we address the, this issue of the day and, 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 and biblical sufficiency that, that trumps the issue of salvation doctrine. Yeah. So you're, you're recognizing that there is a categorical difference, say, between, um, you know, I, I guess just for the listeners that might be a little bit more point for point here, um, there's a categorical difference between our divide um, soteriologically because we're making the Bible inerrant. We're making the Bible sufficient. So whenever we talk about salvation, we're, it's always Bible, Bible, Bible. But then when, why the divide over critical race theory and stuff like that is because um, it's, it's out there. Well, we need these analytical tools. So they're extra biblical tools that we need um, to look at these things whenever we're saying over here, no, no, no. Inerrancy, therefore sufficiency, therefore clarity, so on, um, yeah. where they're saying it's not clear enough. So we need these outside tools. So there's a categorical difference. So here's there's the right place for the divide. Um, I tried to ask the question, but I we just wanted to make sure that we we interject because you know we can't we can't all be unified on all things. Um, no, there we are, won't. yeah. And and again, the 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 issue that I would say just in more in a nutshell, if I could, is Tom and I may have a different salvation doctrine, but we have a salvation doctrine. Wokeness doesn't offer you any relief at all you are if you are in the uh the privileged category uh you you cannot wash that off you cannot wash that uh th there is no plan of salvation for systemic sin and and they do not offer a, an escape it, it requires it's it's a, it's a it's a blueprint for revolution and and for never being satisfied and for never having peace and so if we want peace we can, you know, we can't, we can't embrace a, a philosophy and really a religion. You can make the case that wokeness is a religion. Mm. You cannot embrace mm -hmm. one that offers you no salvation at all. So Tom and I may have a different salvation doctrine, but they're both within the Baptist faith and message, and they're both rooted in the Bible. And we believe there is one. Wokeness offers you no salvation at all. It's just cancel culture, and we need to shout from the rooftops that Jesus cancels sin. Uh, he does not cancel people Amen. and there is redemption and grace and freedom uh, in, 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 in the Lord. And that is our message. And that is our gospel. And uh, what has been creeping in is anti-gospel. Dr. Patrick, we're so thankful for your time and please don't let us abuse it by any means. I want to jump one of our questions in our list because I think this is a really important one. Uh, what do you see going down in Anaheim? here in June. How, not that I'm asking you to be a prophet. Uh, we talked about differences in our uh, <laughs> uh, pneumatology. Uh, I bet we're probably pretty close on something on that actually. Yeah. Um, but if you were going to get, what do you see happening? What are some of the things that you think are going to occur? I mean, based upon your, uh, your experience in the past and even based upon, because what I saw in Nashville was exceptionally problematic. Do you see a similar thing? What's the game plan going in? Um, what should someone like Adam uh, expect when they get there? Well, I've gone to all of these conventions, and I will tell you this. Uh, I think 
what's going to come out later this month is going to be a report on sex abuse in the convention. They wanted to go back 20 years with that. I predict that will be a report that will be very embarrassing for the right side of the convention, unfortunately. I think that based on the how that uh, came about, the way that it was done, the, 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 the people that were involved in doing that report, I think it's, I think we should brace ourselves for something that will come out that will be very embarrassing to the, the non-woke side of the Southern Baptist Convention. I think they will try to orchestrate at the convention at times of fervent prayer and, oh, we've got to deal with this issue. Oh, we are. And I, I think in the same way that the convention for the last few years, it's been all about sex and race, sex and race. And I just kind of want to get back to what about Jesus and the gospel and spreading Christ. And, and but it's been really focused on sex and race. And I think that can be a distraction. Uh, I think those at the uh, that level, uh, I call this the theater of the convention. They have a lot of ability to uh, if you've ever noticed someone will be at the platform with the shining lights and they're a very articulate speaker and they'll say something. And then for the counterpoint, they ask the person at microphone eight, who's in the shadows and has to ask if they can please say something. And they're never going to be as articulate or well lit or well heard as the person on the platform. And, and there is a way of sort of manipulating, I use that term, but that's just it. There's a way of using the theater of the convention to get the result that you want to get um, from uh, just sort of a, the way that things look. It looks like these are the important people and here's the crazy people out in the crowd. And I think that's unfortunate that, that, that the convention does things that way, but there, there will probably be an appeal for an extended season of prayer that will limit the amount of time we have available for conversation that was done in Nashville. Uh, there, there will be an effort, I think, to, um, again, keep us focused on these sort of justice issues from a woke perspective and, uh, and, and, and sort of get the room in that way. I think you can expect an awful lot of people. Here's another thing we haven't really talked about. The North American Mission Board helps to pay for some church planters to come to the Southern Baptist Convention. So, all right, let's think about that for a moment. If you're planting a church and you have 25 people, I get that you might not be able to get to the convention on your own. Um, so NAM takes resources that we've all paid in and they pay those folks to go to the convention and vote a certain way. Um, my concern with that is what about all those pastors out there who are not planting a church, but they're, they're at a church of 25 people. They don't get denominational resources and funding to help pay for their way to get to the convention. So let me pit for a moment the church planter with the, the estab, quote, established pastor, but they're both serving small churches and they can't afford to get to the convention. So we're going to use denominational resources. The, the resources that my church, for example, would pay into uh, to go there. If, if NAM is supporting those church planters to go there, uh, I, in many cases, I'm paying, helping to pay for some people to go to that convention and vote against the candidate that I would prefer to be elected. Now, that's a little strange, isn't it? So, you know, I, I think we can expect uh, a, 
a good race. I hope it will be a good race. Last year, it was very close between uh, Mike Stone uh, and Ed Litton. Uh, I think a swing of 300, 400 votes would have would have carried it the, in the other direction. So uh, I don't know how that election will go, but uh, I, I think that that the, the, those who are in charge of the convention will try to steer this thing toward that same sort of uh, concern with, um, with those issues of, of, of sexual abuse in the church. Now, at the same time, the Conservative Baptist Network and, and others who are seeking to um, turn the convention to the right will come and, and seek to make issues and, and address things in a an entirely different way and, and, and move the convention toward uh, concern and, and, and to be uh, to, to shift farther to the right. And uh, we were very close in Nashville. Yep. So I think it, I would predict it would be pretty close in Anaheim too. Hence the need for people to get to Anaheim if you possibly can. Yeah. And I'm so thankful that, you know, like uh, just my church again, I, since I'm like the, the, the loudest, maybe lone person that cares <laughs> about <laughs> denominational life or at least, and it's, it's not that, the, that my, the rest of my church don't care. I, I think it's just, um, they just haven't been involved. Um, and they don't know the, they don't know the true value that is there, um, in the local association at the state level. I, you know, I think it's just more of we're a young church more, you know, it's, it's people my age, you know, thirties, twenties, thirties, you know, and we, we have merged in, in and in a sense merged with an older congregation. So we, now we've got some older congregation folks that, you know, whenever I, I can talk to them because, you know, I'm, I'm speaking their language. I know, I know the, the denomination stuff. So we, you know, I, I meet with them there, which is really cool as a, as at least a conversational starting point, there's a relationship um, that, that exists because of it. Um, but they just they don't know so i'm going to go um and, and do this thing and uh and stand i guess the, the one thing that i just want to say is i'm glad that i get to stand with you yeah, <laughs> and amen. and vote for for, right. for tom askell and i thank you for that that information but yeah we need we need to get the young bucks because this is a generational thing um you know the sbc is going to last as long as people are interested in it because it is not it isn't a biblical like uh, Christ didn't go, well, I'm going to build the church and then they're going to have denominations and all that kind of stuff, you know, but we are cooperative because of the Bible. Um, we, we do this biblically. And so we, we need to do this and get people out to Anaheim. So I'm thankful for that, but yeah, not everybody has that opportunity, but we need people, um, that need to voice that want to voice their, um, their concern for critical race theory to go. Um, even like we need to figure out a way to get like local, um, like, you know, the, the local, uh, association to be able to fund, you know, if, if they're funding the church planners, we need the local associations to go like, well, we want to send our, our, uh, pastors to go be messengers, to think about our 30 person congregation. That's been around for a hundred years with no money <laughs> to, to be able to do that. So there's, there's some, some good, uh, you know, ideas to definitely help steer the ship, but, you know, it's, again, I just wanted to say, I'm, I'm proud to be able to stand with you. Uh, I'll, I'll find you. I'll look for you whenever I get to Anaheim. I'm so happy that I get to be there um, with my pastors and hopefully we come back with, yes, here's, here's the dirt you know, but here's the good. And, you know, hopefully, you know, my church, we continue to grow in our relationship to our local association, which is a lot easier, um, you know, than the state. And then, which is a lot easier than the national convention as you've already kind of, uh, you know, uh, 
put out there is your, your discomfort um, with the national. I'm, I'm just as uncomfortable. <laughs> so, you know, we, we both share uncomfortability um, within the national thing, but you know, it's, it's a big thing. And uh, I just wish it were uh, actually almost bigger. So we could actually ask maybe body Bachman to be actual president <laughs> at some point after Tom Askell, but. That's a unique issue in and of itself. Uh, Vody was sent overseas by a Southern Baptist church as a missionary. He went to Africa to minister. Mm -hmm. And and in doing so, somehow along the way, he's no longer eligible to uh, to to serve in office. Now, he when he went to the field, he united with that local church there and became a member of that church. And our churches on the field are not Southern Baptist churches. None of them are classified that way. So now some missionaries believe that their letter is still resides with their sending church and they view themselves as a member of that sending church. Vody happens to be in the other category where he says, no, when I joined this church on the field, I joined them and therefore I'm no longer a Southern Baptist. Now for this, he is now considered not to be Southern Baptist, even though he's been a Southern Baptist pastor, a Southern Baptist author, a Southern Baptist evangelist, a Southern Baptist missionary, a Southern Baptist seminary president or seminary president overseas. And he's done all of this and is eminently qualified. And what does he do over there? He works with pastors and he helps with preaching and and edifying them and building them up, which is exactly what you want in a pastor's conference president. So for folks to say that he can't serve in Southern Baptist life, I feel like there ought to be some kind of consideration made to the fact that this is a Southern Baptist who went on the mission field answering God's call. And if in that process, if a Southern Baptist doing what God tells them to do means they're no longer Southern Baptist and they can't serve in a convention office, I think we need to find someone who can rewrite the wording on that rule because I don't want to penalize people for answering God's call and going to Africa to tell people about Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yeah. We mentioned that on the show <laughs> whenever we're talking about the whole body Bacham and president thing and all that, but yeah. Amen. Thank you for that, for being another voice. So um, I guess that's on to, uh, you know, the next, uh, next year, there's a resolution to sort of globalize. So instead of uh, changing the name to great commission Baptist because of critical race theory, um, we exercise our Christian dominion and we say no. Um, unlike, because we're, we're, I'm in the town of the Assemblies of God, right? So they started and they had a top down global network, right? That then they split off now. So each country now has its own Assemblies of God. Instead of having an international headquarters, now you've got a national headquarters um, where they've established. And it's like the Baptists are doing like the biblical thing of starting from the bottom up. And now we're up to that point. We have so many Southern ba- well, Southern Baptist churches in the world. How right. are we going to deal with them? Do they get representation? If we're going to be, if we're going to do this representative democratic sort of thing, um, why aren't they included? And like Vadi Bakum, man, he's just a wrench thrower, dude. <laughs> and he could be the he could be the wrench that we throw into the machine to go like we've done this bottom up and just think about where we're at now. Um, we've got churches all over the world. Um, the Southern Baptist convention is, has, has done the great commission work. And now yeah. we need to, um, we need to make a bigger tent. To me, well, that shows, Oh, sorry, go for it. No, I'm sorry. I was just going to say one of the things that would, uh, that would really help in this is if we could have the opportunity for our churches 
to have messengers remotely. And I know that is something that is being considered. It's been proposed. Everyone always says, no, we can't do that. We can't do that. But, uh, you know, if American Idol or any of these shows, you can vote on your phone. You can you can be anywhere. And there, there has to be a way to uh, to uh, make sure that people are credible, that they are genuine messengers and can participate in that. They can communicate remotely. Uh, if we're in Missouri and Alabama and we can have this conversation, certainly people can participate from wherever and vote on their phones or somewhere. I wish it were possible for rank and file Southern Baptists to vote at the convention. If that mm-hmm. happened, if we ever were able to get that, uh, I believe that we would, we would have a representation of the entire Southern Baptist Convention rather than just the 5,000 of us that because we work for a denominational agency and they put in, give us an expense account, we can make it out to Anaheim for this convention. I, I, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think we have the right people making that decision and that would be rank and file Southern Baptists. And, and like you say, globalization is one th- way that that would work, but another way would be making it possible to r- vote remotely at the convention. Um, that would solve, I think, a lot of these problems. Amen. Dr. Patrick, we are really grateful uh, to stand beside you and to encourage people to vote for Dr. Askell. I'm grateful for your ministry. I'm grateful for your faithfulness to the gospel. And I'm grateful for the way you have in humility demonstrated uh, just a desire to work beside others. Um, I appreciate you greatly. And I'm thankful that you'd come on our program uh, I'll be praying for our messengers, uh, as I will not be there this year, unfortunately. But uh, I'm so thankful that we've had this chance to sit down with you. I want to open. Uh, you are welcome to contact us. We'd love to have you on again. Hey, let's hope after the convention we can sit down sometime and have a brotherly uh, yeah. And gentlemanly conversation sometime on soteriology, and you can bring your good buddy Dr. Flowers on. Yes. Right now, if <laughs> if Dr. Flowers is is back in Askell, man, I I am with him. And by the way, I know he faithfully preaches the gospel too, and uh, I'm grateful for his ministry and desire to see people defend the faith. Uh, and I know that he does. He spends great amount of time making sure that the next generation is raised up that way. Um, say all those things very sincerely. Um, but we want to be good with your time. We asked for an hour of your time and we've taken a little, you've been so gracious to give us a little more of that. Yeah. Um, so we will wrap things up and uh, Adam will remind us again real quick on uh, we, we went through how we were going to end, but I'm going to hand it over to Adam. Oh, we're just going to end it. We're going to, we're going to see, we're going to see the good memory anyway. Um, but just to let uh, you guys know um, this, uh, this is a uh, part one almost of uh, what's going on on Taggart. So on the 17th, uh, whenever you wake up in the morning and you grab your cell phone or your iPad, hopefully you're going to see, Hey, there's a new Tag Your It podcast. And that Tag Your It podcast will be with Dr. Tom Askell. So just to let you know, we're going to actually have him talk, you know, talk things on the show. Um, so, you know, but this is kind of like a cool precursor, especially coming out of the fact that we have talked about a Dallas County pastor that is on a war path of division over the soteriology issue. Um, that still, just to put it out there for you guys, still no contact. Um, there's a little secret I got. 
um, maybe that will <laughs> come to fruition in the future where I can let let some secret go. But maybe we can make a conversation, a gentleman conversation happen out of that for the for the podcast. But I want to let you guys know on the 17th, um, Tom Askell will 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 have that uploaded. So we're recording it on the 16th. So pray for that um, and that it's a awesome opportunity to have Tom Askell on the Tag Your podcast for you guys to go. Here's the issues. Here's Tom Askell. Um, here's what he would like to do. Again, we want to be realistic and not just be like a, just a political stand. Um, we're not going to allow that sort of pomp <laughs> on our podcast anyway, but get this the realistic um, picture because we're all involved in this. Tom Askell is not going to be the one that, you know, there's no salvation in Tom Askell. There's only salvation in Jesus Christ. And we believe that Tom Askell is giving us the real Christ of the scriptures and then applying it to that kind of position if he were to be able to get it. Um, and I know that Tom Askell would be faithful and, and not get uh, so bloated um, as so much uh, uh, being a politician um, within the SBC can easily um, be. Um, so, but that we'll have that. So, um, but yeah, with that said, this is the Tag Your It podcast. I'm Ray Ray. I'm Dave Van Beber. I'm Rick Patrick. And Soli. Deo. Gloria. Gloria.